As for me, I stand, stayed on the mountain in the Lord's presence for 40 days and nights. As I had done the first time and once again, the Lord listened to me. My pleas and agreed not to destroy you. Then the Lord said to me, Get up and resume the journey and lead the people to the land I swore to give their ancestors so they may take possession of it. Of it. Good morning, everyone. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18. And um, Cody, isn't it amazing how allergies hit in the wintertime? I mean, it's just, I get you, man. I get you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all year for me is how it works. That's, but uh, God is good. God is good. Um, there is uh, something I, that occurred to me yesterday. This is the holiday season, and, and it's just uh, the, we're maybe more conscious of the blessings and the great things that happen among us. Uh, during this time, and um, I was thinking about this yesterday, that yesterday was the winter equinox, the shortest day of the year. So from here out, for the next six months, the days keep getting longer and longer and longer. Isn't that great? That's fantastic. And I don't remember a winter equinox day, December 21st, as beautiful and as mild as yesterday. That was pretty amazing. Uh, just gorgeous, gorgeous, wonderful day. And I was, we've had weather that's been really good for a little while here, and so I had the opportunity early this week, had a, on um, the day that I took to, uh, to rest and, and recover and, and pray, and, and that, I had um, thought, I'm going to get on my bike, and it's, roads are clear, and I'm just going to go for it, and I'm going to see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some miles. And so I got on my bike, and I rode over from my house, over to Manhattan, past Manhattan, and I'm coming back and just enjoying it, just loving it. And it's cold, but um, on my way back, something happened. And, and if you've done any endurance training, you might be familiar with this term. Who knows what it means to bonk? Okay? You're familiar with the term bonking? Okay, what it means is that, and, and it happens in, in some different ways, but your body is, is prepared to go so far and no further. And sometimes if we don't fuel right or we don't have enough water or we're just not trained for that type of distance, then our body just starts to shut down and we see our morale go way down, our attitude mood goes way down, our energy goes way down. And the last six miles or so back to the house, as I'm pedaling along, I realize, oh no, I know what's happening here. I am bonking. This is not good. And, and so I'm pedaling along and the 20 miles that I did before that, I really enjoyed thoroughly, and that last six miles was not so much. And one of the things that happens on the last six miles, there's a, a corner on Thorpe Road where there's a dog that always chases me, always. 
And he never touches me, and he's all bark, and so I don't worry about it too much. I just tell him no. But I remember going around that corner thinking, oh, no, <laughs> that dog's going to chase me. And I'm not. He's probably you know, run circles around me as slow as I'm going today because I'm losing heart here, and I'm not very happy about this. And, and I had to, of course, you know, try, to, try to weave around that dog and try to, try to get out of there. And it was, I remember just feeling, okay, I've hit a point where I feel like I'm really losing heart. And so there is a, this time of the year, this is a time for, for many of us that it's great, it's a time to, to come and be with family, but it's a time that we miss family as well, and so it's, it's just, it's tough uh, it, in some ways. But there is, when we look deeper into our spiritual life, there's times where we can lose heart. So look at Matthew 8, or excuse me, Luke chapter 18, and we're going to go through the first two sections of Luke 18 this morning. And before what's happened is we didn't preach, I didn't preach through uh, 17 verse 20 through 37. And what happens is Jesus tells a little bit about what his kingdom is going to be like. Because remember, these people are waiting for this great kingdom of, of militaries and throwing Rome out of, out of Israel. And they were going to have this great king like David that's going to be a great military ruler and things were going to be awesome. And so that's not what things are shaping up to be. And some are figuring it out. But Jesus tells them, he says in verse, um, the second part of verse 20, The kingdom of heaven of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. In other words, this kingdom is not going to be a kingdom that's got borders, it's got big flags, it's got armies, all that. This kingdom is going to be among you, and a lot of people aren't even going to recognize it's there. And he goes on and he just talks about how there's, um, and we'll come back and maybe hit some of this, because Jesus has a similar discussion later in Matthew, just a few chapters ahead. But he says, what's going to happen is people are going to be going on just like things have been great, just like things are fantastic, whatever, just like the times of Jonah, the times of Noah. But you guys be aware because there's going to be many that lose heart. There's going to be many that, that just don't understand the kingdom of God is among them. And we understand the kingdom of God is, is, includes Jesus' church. It's us. It's the people. And so we come from different backgrounds. We have different citizenships. But we're God's people. We're part of his kingdom. And so if you look in, in uh, chapter 18, starting verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told this parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. So he didn't just leave them saying, Look, there's, there's going to be some tough times ahead, and a lot of people are just not going to get it. They're not going to figure it out. He says, But here it is. Here's what you should do in order to never give up and never get discouraged. Verse 2, verse two he says, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So Jesus tells this parable here. And there's just a couple of times where he says, let me take a time out here for a second. Okay, There is, I am finishing up a cold right now, and so I do not want to be a distraction. I'm trying not to be, but I'm just gonna, I'm powering through this morning. And so if I cough or something, I'm just going to 
that's what's going on. I'll pull it together and, and go on. And if you avoid me afterwards, I understand, okay? It's fine. You're good. There's usually, if, if someone tries to avoid me, I, I say hi to, to try to break the ice or whatever. But you're good today. Everybody's free, you know, whatever. Go for it. And so, yeah. Okay, Gary, sure. See, Gary saved my bacon last time, and we're going to try it again today. All right, Gary? Thanks. Gary's always there for me. All right, I'm going to put this in my mouth, and maybe that helps. We'll see. Okay, so Jesus tells this parable, and he tells what it's about to start with. He says, I, tells these, or, or Luke sh- shares with us, he, sh- he shares this parable so that they should always pray and not give up. So, we have this unjust judge here, and there, it says it twice, that he doesn't fear God, and he doesn't care what people think. Okay, those are both really bad things in Scripture. This guy is in really, really bad company here. Because we talked about on Wednesday night here, earlier this fall, fearing God and why that's important. And if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, go ahead and turn there, read, because this gives some clarity about what it means to fear God. Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting in verse 10. And I'll read it for you here. It says, now, uh, verse 12, excuse me. Now and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to love Him, to serve Him, serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the commands, the Lord's commands and decrees that I have given today for your own good. And so that's what fearing the Lord means, is, is not shaking in our boots and being afraid of, oh no, is He going to strike me down next? But I care about what God thinks, and because I care about what God thinks, I'm going to give my best to Him. This judge had none of that. He didn't care what God thought at all. When he made judgments, God did not enter into the picture, and he was proud of that, apparently. Um, no, nope, I don't care about God. I'm above him. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do whatever I want. But not only that, is that he doesn't care what other people think. Um, that is, um, that's, that, we're not in good company in Scripture. Um, when we say that. Now, what Chris said here just a minute ago is totally different. He's saying, I think we need to be very careful that, that people are not uh, the, the deciding factor in what we do. Right? Exactly. God's number one, and we should care about what God thinks more than, than anybody else. And that's absolutely right. But we can get into this, this out of balance as, uh, like, for example, there's on the bad side, we can be controlled by people completely. Whatever people think at any given moment, that's what we do, and, and we, we make very poor decisions because of that. Did your mom ever tell you, if so-and-so goes and jump off, jumps off a cliff, will you do it too? Okay, that's the idea here. We care way too much about what people think. On the other side, there is, we can get to a point where this judge is that, I don't care what anybody says at all, I'm going to do whatever I want. And that doesn't demonstrate the Spirit of Christ at all. But here you have this judge walking around thinking he is, he is big stuff. And it says, this lady was so persistent that <laughs> he said, I will see that she gets justice so that I, she won't eventually come and attack me or that she won't wear me out. Can you imagine this judge? He's in a spot in life where he's, he's uh, well-fed, he's sassy. He doesn't care about what God thinks. He doesn't care about what people think. He is totally comfortable in his own situation. And in this society, the judges would sit in the town square at the city gate, and they would, they would decide disputes between people. And sometimes they were elders that were very, very well respected, and sometimes they were elders that grabbed power and used it for oppression, not unlike our societies. 
in, in our world. But it was, um, you have in this particular situation, can you imagine this guy? Now, he is sitting there in his judge's seat, and this widow comes and says, Grant me judgment against my adversary. And apparently she has a good case. And, and he says, ah, I'll figure that out. He's waiting for a bribe. Yeah, whatever, I'll think about that. You're going to do your thing. And, and so on his way home, all of a sudden, here's this lady comes out of nowhere. And, and people know that you don't mess with the judge when he's not sitting on his seat. You, know, you don't go and, and catch him somewhere else. But here comes this lady around the corner. And all of a sudden, she catches him and says, Hey, grant me my uh, judgment against my adversary because this is what's happening. I am being oppressed. Oh, man, this lady, this lady, I'm going to go this other direction. I'm going to try to get home. And he gets home. And, and one of the servants comes in during dinner and says, Man, there's this lady sitting on the front porch and keeps saying, Come out, and I want, at, I want judgment. I want this happening now. And he says, Man, this lady, I can't, I, can't, I can't lose her. I can't get rid of her. He gets up the next morning. He walks out his door. And the first thing that happens is this lady is there saying, Grant me justice. And so going through his head, he's thinking, Okay, no bribe is worth this. No bribe is worth this. I'm going to do what this lady asks because she is going to drive me absolutely nuts if I don't give her what she wants. And we can understand that, Judge, can't we? It's saying, even though there is no moral fortitude whatsoever or moral decision in any way, shape, or form, he is going to do what, he, what is right in this case because this lady is so persistent. And so here's the, one of the great messages of this parable is if an unjust judge gives justice because of perseverance, a just and loving God will certainly bring justice to his people swiftly. Now, when we th- think about swiftly, there's, how many of you had, had prayers that you're seeking justice from God? And boy, it's a long time in coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we understand that if we've been around a while. We understand wrestling with God and, and God's timetable doesn't work on the same as ours, but I know that if we've been around long enough, sometimes we'll feel like we can't take any more, and we're just walking along through life, and it seems like there's unfair, 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 and then all of a sudden, boom, suddenly everything changes. And so this term swiftly or suddenly is, is that's what he's speaking about. God's response comes suddenly. So that is comforting, hopefully, for all of us, is that God is... If the unjust judge is going to give judgment, even when, just because there's someone is, perse- uh, is, is very persistent, a just and loving God will certainly bring justice to his people swiftly. And here's another question that is, that is posed here, is, I tell you, he will see they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We're going to talk about persistence more here in just a second. But will Jesus find people of persistent faith when he returns? And I wonder if, as Jesus is saying this, and he's, he's speaking to his, his disciples here, if he doesn't just kind of look off into the, into the sunrise or, or whatever, looks off into the distance and says, I wonder when I return if people are going to be here, if people are going to be searching for me when I return. Just one of those phrases that a teacher uses to help keep his people's attention to say, this is important. Okay? Sometimes following me and being faithful is not fancy, it's not, it's not cute, it's not polished, it's all, not all that. But you just can't quit. You just got to be persistent day in, day out, persistent. Never stop. He continues on here. 
in, um, in verse uh, 9. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Okay, so Jesus is about to go to, to battle here. He told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week when I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So here we have another parable that Jesus gives here. And he starts off by saying, some who are really confident of their own righteousness. In other words, people who looked at themselves as, look, I'm the great example for everybody else, and it's my job to set everybody straight. Those are the people he's talking to here. And he starts with, there was two people that went up to the temple to pray. So they're in this, this area that is sacred, area that is holy, standing around the temple. And they go up there in order to pray. Now, the term Pharisee here, when we think of the term Pharisee, what do we think? We think hypocrite, terrible person, oppressive religious leader. That's what we think immediately. And we think that way because that's a lot of the ways they presented themselves and Jesus presented themselves in parables. But for the people that are walking around the temple grounds, the term Pharisee oftentimes meant someone who went the extra mile to worship God. Someone who was really, really genuine about their faith. Someone who was hardcore. This guy was really in. And so Jesus shares this parable saying, here's, the, here's a Pharisee. So the people who would have been listening initially would have said, oh, well, yeah, okay, here's this religious guy. You've know, you got priests, you've got Levites, you've got Pharisees. Guys, that's, that's really on board spiritually. All right, you've got a Pharisee, and this is basically what he prays. I am righteous. I'm good because I am not like those sinners those robbers, those people that steal things, those evildoers, people that just constantly indulge in, in evil behavior, people that are adulterers, people that are not faithful to their spouses, tax collectors, oh, man, oh, just gross. I'm so thankful that I'm not like them. And he uses, you notice, he uses I four times in a very short prayer. That should give a pretty good indicator that he's not necessarily praying to God, he's just talking to himself. I am righteous because I go beyond God's minimum requirements. The old law stated that the Israelites were required to fast how many times a year? Have we ever talked about this? One time a year, Day of Atonement. That's the only time that is required fast in the Old Testament. They were encouraged to fast other times to reconnect with God. But one time, one, one mandatory fast. But this guy... Is saying, I fast twice a week. And that was a Pharisee custom, to fast on Monday and fast on Thursdays. So he, not only did he fast regularly, but he did twice a week. And, and in addition to that, he um, gave a tenth of all, it says, all he had. Okay, that may be an indicator of, as the Old Testament, if you go back and look, is the Israelites were required to give a tenth of income. And maybe what he's saying here is, not only do I give a tenth of income, I give a tenth of capital, everything. I go beyond what God calls people to do, and I am generous beyond anybody's wildest imagination. And, and so, that's his prayer. That's what he shares. And I wonder if the people there, that standing there initially, thought, whoa, 
you know, this guy, yeah, this is real. This guy is genuinely, um, uh, he's, he's genuinely uh, spiritual. Boy, I'm not that spiritual. That's pretty amazing what this guy can pull off and what he's doing. But Jesus continues on, and he says, well, wait a minute here. Here's another guy that prayed. He was a tax collector. Oh, that's a tax. How many of you guys love the tax man? Okay. Already, okay, Landon is the tax man. That's right. Yeah, we love Landon. That's right. Yeah, so there's some of us love the tax man, right? Um, But typically what happens, you know, in this particular situation, I've explained this before, the Romans were the occupying forces there. And so the Romans, if they collected taxes, that would create the the Jews or whoever nation they they were occupying. They could band together, and they had this common enemy. We hate the Romans because they take our taxes. So the Romans would go to the Jews and say, Hey, anybody want to make a lot of money? Go and collect taxes and give it to us. And so the tax collectors were their own local people that were considered traitors. And so the Jews hated them, uh, by and large. Uh, if you chose that, basically what you were doing is you were selling your soul, is how they saw it. Is you being faithful to God, you're not being faithful to our nation, you are aiding and abetting the enemy. And so Jesus says this, says, here comes this tax collector that comes up there. He's at the temple grounds as well. And you notice there's four things that he does that show great humility. He stood at a distance to start with. He's not there right in the front and center saying, look at this. Yeah, look at how spiritual I am. He's standing way, way, way off to the side, standing at a distance with his eyes to the ground. Couldn't even look up to heaven. Demonstrates mourning. He beats his breast. He's just in great anguish. And he acknowledged his sin to God and asked for mercy. He says, God, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. I imagine the people that were listening there got pretty quiet. And he said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Because what this man realized and what he gathered was hope was not in the amount of good things that he had done, but hope was in repentance and mercy and giving his heart to God that changed everything from there. There is, a, I wonder what a person would say if Jesus told this parable today. And let me venture some guesses here. Maybe it's, um, maybe you would say something like this. Boy, God, thank you so much that I'm not like those people that just don't hardly shower at all or that have a history of addiction or have been to jail or have, um, seems like their, their family's kind of a mess and, and they really struggle to, to hold down a, a job long term. Thank you that I'm, I'm just not like that. But, or, you know, these, you, but I make sure that I am at the building at least four times a week. I pray every morning, I volunteer, and I am extremely generous towards God. Boy, now I'm the first one that will tell you that the more you're connected with the church, the more opportunities have to be discipled and to grow spiritually and to, to expand. But whenever we look at spirituality as how many times I walk through the door of the building I think we're walking into the territory of this guy right here. Of saying, wait a minute, look at how spiritual I am because of what I do or what I give. 
Whereas someone else can walk in and say, say, boy, I don't deserve to be here. I'm going to get struck down by lightning any second, I'm certain. And I've seen the biggest, strongest guys walk into church buildings and shake their hands and their palms are sweaty because they've never been in a church building in their life, maybe, or a long time. And it's scary because they know what's going on inside of them. And Jesus says here, and this term, understand righteousness and justified are just different forms of the same verb or the same word. And so Jesus says, here, he spoke to people who were confident of their own righteousness. But in the end, who was the one that was righteous before God was the one that they didn't expect. The one that had a heart that was broken and seeking the mercy of God. And so there's a, there's a lot to gain from that, a whole lot. But one of the things that, that jumps out to me is, as the last verse that we read says, for everyone who will exalt himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is, I guess we can call the great reversal. And we see this in Scripture all the time. You see uh, examples like, uh, like Paul, who was one who was persecuting the church. He was, he was the poster child for what Jewish young men were supposed to be. Everybody looked at him as a great example, and God said, ah, you're not. You're not what you think you are. Humbled him, brought him back to a place where instead of saying, look at all the good things that I'm doing, said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God was able to use him at that point in time. I think about Moses, who was 40 years old, raised in the house of Pharaoh, had all this, had everything. And he goes out and he thinks, man, I'm going to set things straight right now. I'm going to step in and defend this my, my, one of my peeps, one of my people who is being oppressed by this Israelite. And since I'm the son of Pharaoh, I'm going to get away with this. I'm just going to do this. And um, it doesn't work out for him. And he spends the next 40 years being a shepherd in Midian. And I imagine Moses early on would have thought... Look at me, look at me, look at what I got, look at how I've, I've, I've look at how, how great I am, how powerful I am. And it wasn't until later, the burning bush, that God said, all right, Moses, let's go. And Moses didn't say this, but he had to have had the attitude at that point in time, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Think about King David, just when, just when he was chosen. Samuel shows up, and David's... Brothers are paraded before Samuel, and Samuel sees a brother and says, Man, that's it. That's the guy that looks like a king. This must be the Lord's anointed standing in front of me. And God says, Oh, no. Wait a minute. God looks at different things than you do. God looks at the heart. And the youngest of all becomes the king that is known later as the man after God's own heart. You see these great reversals that happen. And so a scripture comes to mind as I was thinking about this week. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. For all of us who have been Christians a while, who have walked with God for a while, make sure that we do not forget that we are saved by the mercy and grace of God. That's very, very important. And Luke brings that up in different ways consistently throughout his gospel. So here's the message. Preparing for paradise? How do we prepare for that? Develop a life of persistent and humble prayer day in, day out for life. I think about, uh, there's a lot of people you read in Scripture. There's a number of people that I know personally that I looked up to at some point in time as people who are great uh, spiritual examples for me, and they are not on board spiritually at all now. And, and that's tough. 
that, that hurts, but it's an indicator that for any one of us, if we do not develop a life of persistent, per, persistent and humble prayer, then, uh, then Satan's going to take his shots at us, and he's going to try to uh, discourage us, try to take away our joy, lead us into sin, whatever it may be. And so here's some things that, let's walk through these a, a little bit here together. Persistence. Persistence is very important in, in every aspect of life. Let me share, um, so I'm kind of a history buff. I love reading history. I, I learn from it. I think we, if we don't know history, we're doomed to repeat the same things over and over again. And how many of you know who Winston Churchill is? Okay. British Prime Minister of World War II era. Uh, there's a, he's quoted as, and the way I'd heard this story years ago, was that during the Battle of Britain, this British bulldog of Winston Churchill gets up and he just says, never, never, never gets up and beats on the podium and sits down and it's one of the most powerful lessons that, or most powerful speeches in history and he just said those few words. And I did some reading this week and that's not exactly what happened because Winston Churchill shows a side that is much more reflective and I'm going to share this because it really speaks to this uh, idea of persistence. 1941, Pearl Harbor had not happened yet. So as the United States during World War II, we're sitting on the sidelines saying, we don't think we want to stick our nose in that. Not interested. Thank you very much. This is Europe's problem. You guys can deal with it, is basically how our nation was responding at that point in time. And so the armies, the Nazi armies, had gone into Russia. They'd taken Poland. They were moving west. They were moving all over the place uh, uh, from, from from Germany. And England in a sense, was standing alone. And this is what he says. He goes back to his alma mater, and you, this is what he has to say. And this is just a, a small part of the speech. He says, you cannot tell from appearances how things will go. He didn't know how things were going to turn out. Sometimes imagination makes things out far worse than they are, yet without imagination, not much can be done. Those people who are imaginative see many more dangers than perhaps exist. Certainly many more than will happen, but then they must also pray to be given that extra courage to carry this far-reaching imagination. But for everyone, surely what we have gone through in this period, I'm addressing myself to the school, he says, surely from this period of ten months, this is the lesson. Never give in, never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. And he goes on from there, and that's all I'll read for now. But what he's saying is, Never give up unless good sense dictates you need to give up. Okay, this isn't one of those things. I'm just going to be a bull and I'm going to run ahead even when good sense says no. But whenever evil is involved, you just never, ever, ever give up. You just keep going. And those words live in infamy because historically England needed a leader that would say, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue on and I'm going to be courageous no matter what. And persistence is one of those things that is important in marriage, it's important in family, it's important in our jobs, it's important in our spiritual journey, because there is sometimes where we just bonk in life. We go along and we think we're doing okay, we're, and, and then we're not. 
And, and when things are tough, it's hard to look around and see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's hard to look around and say, man, things are going to be better. This is just a phase. We get down, we get upset, we get frustrated, all that sort of thing. But Jesus says, never give up. Be like this persistent widow that will never, ever give up. Um, here's another thought. Um, humility. The Pharisee, the great thing, the great problem that he had, he, he talked about robbers, he talked about adulterers, he talked about all those. What he didn't mention in his, in his prayer is people who are unreflective and no, don't realize the own sin right in front of their face. I guess that was him. The sin of arrogance and, and uh, just being, not being reflective and, and understanding his own shortcomings. Instead of welcoming the man that was praying over there, uh, he, he criticized him. And so the tax collector, something that he did that was, that was honorable and good, is he started with himself. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's a great thing to be able to pray. We've, those of us that have become Christians, we leave that sin behind. I never forget where we came from. And uh, we are all people in need of the mercy of God. And it all starts with looking at myself first instead of looking at everybody else. Uh, Psalm 27, I'm going to read this to finish up. Because this idea of developing a life of persistent and humble prayer, Psalm 27 is one of these psalms that I think is exactly that. And I'll read it, and I'll make a few comments, and I'll finish this up. And we will... uh, um, continue into our holiday week, and I encourage you to, whatever you do, wherever you go this week, take Christ with you. These people are more receptive to speaking about spiritual things during this time, maybe than any other time during the year. And look for those opportunities for God to do great things with you. And afterwards, if you'd like to become a Christian, like to be baptized today, have your sins washed away, uh, you're welcome to. The elders will be in the back, um, or any other prayer. You're welcome to uh, to share with them and, and allow Uh, the church to walk alongside you no matter what's happening. Look at Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I got this. God is good. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent, and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At His sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing music, I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me and do not turn your servant away in anger. Do not, or you have been my helper. Do not reject or or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. In other words, I know that you're going to walk beside me no matter if family bails, no matter what the situation, I know that you are there. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Because of my oppressors, do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me spouting malicious accusations. There's people saying terrible stuff about me. Verse 13, he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, this life, 
I will see the goodness of God in this life. I know that's going to happen. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. I think these parables, one of the things they teach us, and Jesus wanted his people to know, is that there is um, times where, man, it's just hard, it's just tough to walk through. And he says, never give in to evil and never give up on God. Let's stand and sing together.